We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, February 6th. I'm here with Alex Barutha and James Anderson. Uh, so much to talk about in the wake of the trade deadline that we had to do a three-man pod. Uh, the deadline passed roughly an hour ago. Uh, plenty of coverage up on our site. You can find it there. Um, but we'll go through most of the major deals, talk about some of the deals from earlier this week, some of the teams that didn't make any deals, maybe what to expect in the buyout market. Uh, but we'll start with, I think, probably the biggest deal that happened today and, and I think arguably the biggest deal that happened uh, throughout deadline week. Off-air, we were kind of discussing... Should this be referred to as the D'Angelo Russell trade or the Andrew Wiggins trade? And I, I think we settled on the Andrew Wiggins trade. Yeah, because like the Timberwolves aren't really going to be relevant with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Like the you know best case scenario, they get to like the mid forties and wins. But the Warriors obviously are going to try to win the title next year, and if Wiggins doesn't help them do that in some regard, then. Uh, 
I think people are going to blame him slash right. the group that brought him in. Yeah, I think this could be a turning point for the Warriors franchise. You know, when we look back, there's going to kind of be the, the pre-Wiggins era and then the post-Wiggins era. And the, the post-Wiggins era could go very well. We don't know. It could go very poorly. He could just kind of be the second coming of Harrison Barnes, the scapegoat for this team. Um, but this was a deal that, you know, had been kind of in the general discussion for a while. It never really seemed all that realistic. It, it seemed probably less realistic than ever, um, you know, six or seven hours ago uh, when, it, when it seemed like uh, Golden State was pretty content to to stand pat with Russell and maybe revisit talks with with Minnesota and possibly other teams. I know the Knicks were rumored um, over the summer, but I think all things considered for Minnesota, this is a pretty good deal. Um, and you get off of Andrew Wiggins, first and foremost, you you give up a 2021 first round pick, but it's top three protected. And I, I think Minnesota probably considers itself a playoff team next year, whether that's true or not, uh, very much remains to be seen. But I mean, chances are, I think that pick probably goes, you know, seven through 14 next year, somewhere in that range. So you know, could be a valuable pick. You know, we'll see. If it doesn't convey next year, which would mean Minnesota's a bottom three team, uh, it becomes a a unprotected 2022 pick. So that's maybe where you get into some some diciness. But I think for the most part, I was really surprised that Minnesota did not have to give up the Brooklyn Nets first round pick that it got from Atlanta in the the four way trade from Tuesday night. They didn't have to give up any other players. It was just you know Andrew Wiggins that draft pick, a, a future second rounder that doesn't really matter for. Russell, Jacob Evans, and Omari Spellman, which I, I don't think either of those guys moved the needle much at all, but Minnesota was kind of in need of depth after moving so many pieces around. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really surprised the Warriors were willing to take Wiggins' contract. I mean, I would just rather have D'Angelo Russell and not have that first-round pick right. from Minnesota. Um, I, I don't really care about the positional overlap between Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson that much. I would have kind of wanted to experiment with that before making any sort of deal but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think Minnesota got a. I mean, I would I would be happy uh, if I was you know a, a Minnesota Timberwolves fan or just part of the organization to where um, you get off the Wiggins contract and get a starting you know All Star caliber point guard at least in the East um, uh, and someone that Carl Anthony Towns is just friends with. Yeah, I think it it clearly makes sense from the Timberwolves' perspective uh, for all, everything that Alex just said. I think from the Warriors' perspective, there's you know, it's going to be probably a bad trade for them if Wiggins just stays the same player that he's been. I think there's probably a level of hubris involved with Steve Kerr and Bob Myers thinking that they can be the ones to to reach Andrew Wiggins and turn mm-hmm. him into the player that he's capable of being. Uh, I don't think many other organizations would have had that type of internal faith in their ability to do that. But I like think Sam that, Mitchell couldn't do it, <laughs> and if, if he can't do it, I think that definitely factors into why they were willing to do this. I think that they look at the upcoming draft in which they're probably going to have a really good pick and there's just a ton of point guards up top so Mm -hmm. the idea of bringing in you know a top five pick who's a point guard uh with russell on the team probably makes less sense than without russell on the team i think that was probably a minor uh factor here and then also i just think you know getting uh a player who can play a little faster i mean it's not like wiggins is known for just running up and down the court but D'Angelo Russell just plays so slow that I think he kind of bogs down the offense a little bit more Mm -hmm. than than they would like so I think maybe the hope is just Wiggins is good at like a couple things like he's good at scoring in the post and uh, spotting up and hopefully add some uh, defensive versatility so I I sort of see where the Warriors are going with this it's a it's a big bet on themselves though and and being (laughs) able to kind of turn Andrew Wiggins into a better player. 
if they're able to convince Wiggins to do all those things, then then I think there's a decent chance that it works out. I mean, it's it's still to me kind of fairly low upside. Like I would have rather cashed in that Russell asset. Maybe I mean we we talk about Andrew Wiggins like he's a complete disaster, which relative to where he was drafted, maybe he is, but. He's a guy who's a you know twenty point per game player for his career, twenty two points a game this year. Had a great start to the year where it looked like, for at least the first twenty twenty five games, things were kind of headed in the right direction. So you're getting a productive wing at the very least. But if I were the Warriors, I would have maybe tried to cash Russell in for two or three slightly lesser pieces just to build out that depth because, in a lot of ways, this, I mean this was a three for one deal for them. And Spellman and Evans don't really mean much for the Warriors' future, but. This is a team that still doesn't have a ton of depth, and you know maybe they'll they'll be able to make some fringe signings this summer to, to round out the roster. It's it's obviously an attractive place for people to play, but uh, I think depth is is still a concern right now. But you know you do kind of forget about the Warriors having that that high pick in in this draft, and even though it's not a great draft, I mean there's there's a decent chance that that could turn into Anthony Edwards, you know, who I really really like, and I, I think kind of has that Donovan Mitchell type of potential where. Um, you know, Golden State, some of the deals that, that were discussed with them and, you know, if they were to hold on to Russell for the summer would be you could package Russell and that pick to go, you know, real big game hunting for, you know, a big time superstar. I don't know who that star would be. I, you know, I think that have to wait and see. This kind of tells me that they didn't really like either their chances of, of convincing Giannis uh, down the road or they got word from the or they just knew the Bucks weren't interested in D'Angelo Russell being part of yep. that because I always sort of thought that part of the reason they had Russell was as a sign-and-trade option if the Bucks ever uh, unloaded Giannis, and right. that, that obviously takes that off the table. I do I do think the Bucks are very minor winners today because not only the, what you just said with Golden State, but Miami locking up Iguodala also in some ways. I mean, they, teams can always make, make moves if they have to, but in some ways it, it's a kind of a signal that maybe they don't feel great about that possibility for next summer either so you know that that's thinking pretty far ahead but um you know i I think a positive for milwaukee which which didn't end up making any moves um where do you guys want to go next the Derek walton to atlanta trade for a second round pick um well actually we can bounce to a another warriors trade this one um much more more minor they get three future second round picks from the 76ers who unload uh some of their treasure trove of, of future second rounders in exchange for Glenn Robinson the third and Alec Burks. Yeah, I mean, I I understand this trade in terms of I mean, this is sort of what the Bucks did last year with Miritich. It's like here, take all of our second round picks and give us like some players that can play twenty to twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they probably needed to do this since they're you know aside from their starters, the person who was getting the most total minutes on their team was Furkan Korkmaz, which is like. Probably not the sixth man that you want hanging into the playoffs. Then after that, it was like Matisse Thibel, who's good, obviously, but he's a rookie. Um, and, you know, I, Burks has shown some ability to be a secondary ball handler, someone who might be able to play backup point for them. I don't have a ton of faith in Glenn Robinson um, to be a huge difference maker for them. But I think this is the kind of move that makes um, that makes sense for the 76ers. And, I mean, for the Warriors, obviously, this makes sense. Um, just getting rid of some guys who aren't really going to be interested in long term and then just get a handful of you know second round picks that maybe one of them turns into a rotation player yeah i mean it was pretty clear i think that that those two guys were not in the warriors future plans that i, I kind of like it for philly i mean burks and yeah. robinson robinson especially is has been sneakily really productive and part of it is he's just being handed 33 minutes a night on a terrible team but um the two players that that philly parted ways with to make room were trey burke and james ennis so right. I think you're going from those two to Glenn Robinson and Alec Burks is a pretty significant upgrade. 
Yeah, I, I guess I'm sort of – I understand it, but I'm also sort of uh, underwhelmed that this is the best they could do in terms of – they obviously needed to add shooting. Right. I just – I don't trust either of those guys to hit big shots in a playoff series. But if – I mean, they didn't give up a ton. It's just kind mm-hmm. of – well, they couldn't do any better than this, so that's something to note. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like there was really anyone else that they were chasing all that hard. I mean, you heard about the Celtics going hard after Batons, and they were reportedly turned away. I, I would imagine that Philly would have inquired on him, but I mean, I don't, I don't know what other shooter was really out there unless you're unless you're starting to look at like you know the Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock types yeah. from the Knicks. No, I don't know. And Philly, you know, kind of they just didn't have that much to give up, like you said. I mean the. You know, they, no one was going to be that interested in Mike Scott. Like, no one's going to be high on Jonah Bolden yeah. or any of these guys. Shake Milton, like who? Well, I think part of the reason for bringing these guys in is you don't have to play. I mean, Mike Scott's been pretty terrible this year. Like, I, I think you don't you no longer have to throw him out there for 19 minutes a night just because. Um, and they're one of those teams. Like a lot of the contending teams that have either rookie contracts or extremely expensive, you know, veteran extension type of contracts where you know unless you're going to throw Al Horford or Tobias Harris into a deal it's it's really really hard to make those salaries match come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props they've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a respective sport choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or the under based on its likelihood to occur the more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points. You can win a share of the daily prize pool. Thrive has over $2,000 guaranteed each day in prizes for its NBA contests alone. Use promo code RW, that's the letter R and the letter W, when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant match of up to $25 on your first deposit. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or the Google Play Store, or by visiting thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. So we can back up a little bit to some of the deals that that came through a couple hours before the deadline. Um, Another pretty minor one, Jabari Parker and Alex Len to Sacramento for Dwayne Dedman, just extremely depressing on all fronts. Jabari Parker is on his fifth team in the last three and a half seasons. Mm -hmm. I I tweeted last night, and I I really do feel this way. He kind of has always been destined to be a Sacramento king. Right, like maybe, so. like especially like this current version of the Kings. Like last year's Kings would not have been a good fit for him. No. He would have been a great fit on like the 2008 through 15 Kings. Um, so this kind of feels like destiny for Jabari Parker. I, I don't know what Atlanta's doing. I mean, they had, they got Capella, obviously. Um, they they send out one center and Len. They still have Bruno Fernando. They still have Damian Jones. Now you add Dwayne Dedman, who's 31, who was pretty good for them last year. Obviously, they let him walk to Sacramento as a free agent. Um, so I, I don't really know what this means for any of these teams it just kind of seems like my trash for your trash type of trade i think so i mean as far as i mean the hawks are just like not um i guess they don't really have that much interest in signing anybody next or this off season mm-hmm. um because i mean the deadwin and capella combined for i i mean basically like 25 million dollars next mm-hmm. year um and i think they're just going hard for the playoffs at this point i think that's kind of what this capella and deadman stuff signals yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, the thing with Capella is we don't even know when he's going to be back. Um, you know, that's right. something you heard with why Houston maybe pulled the plug this year is you know the the plantar fascia issue could be something that that ends up hampering him. And obviously, there's a lot less pressure to play through that I think in Atlanta than he would have faced in Houston. I like the move from Houston's perspective just because they weren't 
going to win the title or even get out of the West with their current team. And Mm -hmm. they're probably not going to do it with this team, but at least they're sort of increasing the uh, level of volatility that they'll bring to a series where they're just going to be bombing so many threes and playing so small and making these bigger teams sort of so uncomfortable with the lineups they run out there that you know, maybe they could upset one of the LA teams just by going with this super small lineup and, and switching everything and making, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, th- those teams don't, especially the Lakers don't want to go small and, you know, they, they probably don't want to uh, run as much as the Rockets are going to want to run. So I think it's just, it's interesting. It's going to change the, the dynamics of any yeah. series that they're going to be in. I, I still don't think they're going to do much, but it's, it makes them more interesting. <laughs> Right. I mean, and they're going to be thrown right into the fire tonight against the Lakers. So, I mean, you, you talk about some of the teams in the West that you would worry about take, you know, employing the strategy against. And I think the Warriors are the Warriors. The Lakers are at the absolute top of the list with Anthony Davis. You know, you start another center in JaVale McGee. You have another extremely effective future Hall of Fame center off the bench in Dwight Howard. Um, but at the same time, like you said, it also forces the Lakers to adjust. I mean, if they're if the Rockets are throwing out basically – two forwards and three guards i mean are you gonna are you gonna throw dwight howard on pj tucker and make him chase him corner to corner are you gonna put anthony davis on robert covington like it, it does kind of force odd adjustments like that someone like Jokic too i think could struggle it, it really opens things up for harden and westbrook yeah. to a lesser extent where there's just never gonna be anyone inside the three-point line so there, you know what do you do with your defensive right. center at that point do you bring them all the way out to guard pj tucker on the corner i mean it's mm-hmm. it's makes things interesting Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. What do you think about this from the from the Hawks' perspective, who now have Capella, John Collins, Trey Young, all under 25. Um, you know, they'll have to figure out a Collins extension at some point. Um, Trey Young, you know, a couple years down the road from that, I, I think obviously they would plan on locking him up on a max. But as far as teams that are, like, objectively terrible and have, like, 12 wins at the All-Star break, like, they're going to go through the rest of this season and you know probably into next season with a pretty nice young core. I mean, usually when you're thirty or fourteen and thirty-eight, you know you don't have three pieces that you feel really good about. I mean, you look at the other teams in that range. Like, think about where Atlanta is compared to Cleveland. They have one more win only than Cleveland. I mean, they have five fewer wins than Detroit. And right. I mean, I think in terms of these, like the bottom six or seven in the East, like all of a sudden, even though they really don't have much on the roster, like four through fifteen, that that top three is pretty good. Yeah. And um, I mean, yeah, as far as next year and beyond, I mean, we've seen we saw the Rockets over the past few years be able to make it to the Western Conference finals with Capella as their third best player. And the East is a lot easier. And I'm not saying that John Collins is the same kind of number two that CP3 is or anything like that. But I think the model of if we get Clint Capella and he's our third best player, maybe even our second best player in the East, we can make some noise in the playoffs when we have a point guard as good as Trey Young is. Mm -hmm. And Capella should be able to open up. more options for for trey young and all they have to do now is um get some pieces around uh those guys and herder is already a piece that is available to start and deandre hunter is still very much to be determined but it's a 
I mean, it's a great start. Yeah, I'm offended that you didn't include uh, Kevin Herter in the the, Hurt Dog? the notable guys, and you put him in the four through fifteen group. <laughs> like, what a what a slap! In the Honestly, face. the guy I had in mind was Hunter. I, I totally forgot about Herter, but he was he was hurt so much early on, he, he kind of faded away. But um, he's no, back. I, he's back. He is back. Solid young core. Um, thoughts on on the other two teams that were involved in in that deal from Tuesday night? The Timberwolves and the Nuggets. Um, T-Wolves end up with Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and the Nets' 2020 first-round pick. None of those players ended up being moved, like we said, uh, to get D'Angelo Russell. I know Woj wrote right after the deal that he expects Beasley and Hernan Gomez to get new contracts in Minnesota. Seems a little rash for for Hernan Gomez, especially. I mean, on the one hand, (laughs) you applaud the Timberwolves for bringing in talented young players and you know getting off of Wiggins and everything I still just don't really see how this plan manifests in anything more than you know a seven or eight seed even at the the peak of of this core I just don't really see the talent there they you know giving up uh that pick is gonna prohibit them from from adding potentially another uh impactful young player so I Mm -hmm. I mean I just I don't really love the long-term plan but if the whole point is to just kind of make carl anthony towns as comfortable as possible i guess they're kind of succeeding in that right i mean who is their third best player right now is it jared culver is it malik beasley <laughs> no i don't think it's jared culver right now. i don't well i'm throw out some other names like look at look at the depth chart and, and give me someone else that you feel great about <laughs> I, I I like Beasley more than Culver. Uh, if yeah. that's if it, if I have to pick between one of those two, um, I was surprised when I looked at Beasley's numbers how how bad he's been relative to maybe, last year. Maybe I like Josh Akogi yeah. more than all three of those guys. I don't know. I'm I'm a, I was laughed out of the office for suggesting <laughs> yeah. for suggesting that James Johnson might start at power forward. Jake for Lehman, who's missed like three months with the he's, been, he's been he's been day to day for mysterious two and a half <laughs> mysterious injury. <laughs> I don't. I mean. I, I mean, Beasley's fine. Heron Gomez has played like 2,800 career minutes. So, like, yeah. I don't – yeah, neither of those guys inspire uh, much confidence. The, the fact that, like, the Nuggets were basically willing to give them up yeah. for – I mean, I don't want to say nothing, um, but just willing to shake them up completely and just be like, let's try something different. Right. And they're a team that's trying to compete for a title. Um I mean, it's just, I mean, if the Timberwolves sign like Beasley and Hernan Gomez to like one year deals, okay, that's fine because yep. of the free agent class. But anything more than that, I would start to get a little bit nervous because then you are like very much relying on Jarrett Culver and maybe even Josh right. Okoji to be your third and fourth yep. best players. And that's not ideal. So, I mean, it is worth noting that the Wolves have their own 2020 pick and this Nets pick, which probably ends up being like the 16th pick or something like that. Sure. So, I mean, you, you, basically have two probably top 15 top 16 picks i mean they haven't exactly proven that they can hit on those whatsoever i I don't know that even if one of those picks ends up being like the fourth pick you're not really guaranteed in this draft to get anybody who's a foundational piece or in any draft for that matter i think josh jackson i believe was the number four overall pick um so i mean i think it's fair i think you brought up james like you know what's who ends up kind of being the next piece for this core of of russell and towns like i mean do you go out and pay gordon hayward is like is it is it a guy like that 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 you get in free agency i doubt i doubt it's a guy like gordon hayward i don't think he would want to go there i assume he would have too many other uh quality suitors but um you know maybe devin booker forces his way there and i I honestly kind of think that that's their plan (laughs) i don't think they have the assets to make a devin booker trade work but you know i i 
I, I just want to see that happen so bad just to sort of see where they max out at in terms of wins. In Minnesota, of all places. Those three <laughs> yeah, guys right. are like, yeah, we run this. Um, also worth noting, you know, you, you, you said Denver basically pulled the plug on those guys, which is true. I mean, Beasley, I think it was pretty clear they weren't going to pay him. I think the emergence of Michael Porter makes that a little more palatable. Yeah. Um, but they also got Houston's first-round pick in this deal. So, so they did get something. And then, you know, later today they ended up getting Jordan McRae for Shabazz Napier. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, you're basically swapping out Beasley and Herna Gomez for McRae in a first-round pick. Not terrible. Yeah, and Vonley had is an option like a, a decent he, emergency option at forward he is um, he is a man yes. yeah he, he does he is out there a new app called no house advantage is taking a different spin on fantasy sports this platform offers daily player prop contests for cash prizes here's how it works first download the no house advantage app and choose a contest then select the over or the under for the six player props listed The last step is to rank those picks based on your confidence in it being correct. The higher you rank a pick, the more points you earn when it's correct. The goal is to earn more points than the other users competing in the contest. This is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than on the traditional fantasy sports apps. Sign up now and you can receive up to a $20 match on your first deposit. Visit nohouseadvantage.com or find the app in the iTunes app store or on the Google Play store. The Iguodala deal. So this one surfaced last night. We we got confirmation basically that Iguodala was joining the Heat and signing an extension around seven o'clock last night. We didn't get the full details of the trade until much much later, until closer to today's deadline. Um, but the final machinations are Iguodala, Crowder, Solomon Hill to Miami for Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, and James Johnson, and then Memphis ends up sending James Johnson up to Minnesota and getting Gorgie Jang in exchange. Yeah, I mean, this is basically the Heat just trying to get players who will be available to play. Uh, I mean, Justice Winslow's been hurt this season. He's been hurt a lot of his career. Deion Wager's been out of the rotation. James Johnson out of the rotation. And to get back, uh, I, you know, Andre Iguodala, who hasn't, also hasn't been playing but will play for them, um, who I'm not exactly sure where his value is, like how, how much he'll be playing in the playoffs, maybe 20 minutes. Uh, but they also get Jay Crowder, who I think is a solid pickup. Um, for them been playing pretty well for the Grizzlies and then Solomon Hill is kind of a I perceive him as a throw-in but I think this deal makes sense for the Heat and and for the Grizzlies honestly you get to take a chance on especially Winslow I think I mean anytime you can trade three non-cats and get two cats in return (laughs) I think you have to do it I I mean I think it's a I think it's a fun move by the Heat I, I don't know if it'll like I'm not sure exactly if they think they're now championship contenders with this group. I mean, I don't think they are, but uh, they're they were already going to be a tough first round out for whoever they played, and now I think that they have a good chance to be favored in a first round matchup. Uh, they could give pretty much every team in the East trouble. I think with this core, I mean, it's it's a really fun group. They're going to bomb a lot of threes. They're going to play really good defense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's cool. I thought the fact that the Grizzlies ended up getting basically a bet on Justice Winslow for Iguodala instead mm-hmm. of a, a pick that they were looking for. You know, basically the pick they were looking for probably wasn't out there. And then, you know, Justice Winslow, when he's healthy, I think he would be a, a, a pretty cool piece in that that core. But you mm-hmm. know, Miami obviously knows more about his health than anyone, and Miami had been higher on him than any other team for a, for a long time. So that that definitely right. sort of suggest to me that maybe uh his health is is not going to be in a good place so that's what i considered as well but you know 
in deals like this, like Memphis obviously did its due diligence. You know, if they felt bad about his health, they wouldn't have made the deal. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, maybe Miami is just like, we don't have the patience with this anymore. I mean, it's, it's almost kind of like a Fultz type of move where I think Philly felt like they were ready to win last year and they just didn't want to deal with this. They ended up flipping him for a guy in Jonathan Simmons who, you know, gave them 12 minutes a game and that was better than what Fultz was giving them. And it kind of feels like that to me. Um, but I mean, like, basically, like you said, I, I wrote on the site, like, even if those first round picks were out there, which I would guess they were from the likes of like Philly, Milwaukee, the Lakers, the Clippers, I would rather have two years to try to develop Justice Winslow than the 29th pick in this draft. Yeah, I, I can go with that. And, you know, the Grizzlies, it's not like that Winslow contract is prohibitive to them. I no. mean, what, what were they going to do I with think that, it's 13 mil anyway. each of the next yeah. two. So, I mean, unless they had big plans of putting a huge right. offer sheet in front of uh, Bogdanovich or something like that, I don't I don't know what they're going to really do with that money. So, um, yeah, I, I hope Winslow gets healthy. I, I'd love to sort of see a, a healthy Winslow and the rest of those, those young mm-hmm. guys uh, next year. Yeah, I think well worth the bet by Memphis on Winslow um I mean I, I don't wouldn't really expect Deion Waiters or James Johnson to move the needle for them whatsoever I personally I'm a little I think I'm a little bit lower on Iguodala than most I mean 31 percent from three combined over the last two years he's 36 years old you're gonna be paying him 15 million dollars fully guaranteed next year when he turns 37 um and it is worth noting you know that the two-year 30 million dollar extension that they signed him to the second year is a team option so it's basically one for 15, but that's still a lot of money. I mean, they're going to be paying 37-year-old Iguodala more than Memphis is going to be paying 24-year-old Justice Winslow next year. Yeah, I mean, I am. Uh, yeah, I think I think Iguodala's current ability might be getting overblown. I think I think a lot of his – he's riding a lot on the ranks that he's won with the Warriors. I still understand wanting to have him on your team because of the rings and what he has done in the playoffs. Um, and I think – I mean, I'm, I'm sure at this point Miami is really just trying to get into the number two spot uh, in the East over Toronto because if they do that, then they'll either play, you know, they're basically going to either play Brooklyn or Orlando, and yep. that you know guarantees you basically a first round win because right now they're sitting at four and they would be playing Philly uh, in the first round, which is something that you even even if you have confidence that you can um, pull that off, it's not something mm-hmm. you want to necessarily deal with. Yeah, but I think most importantly, I mean, if you're at the two, you avoid Milwaukee until the Eastern right, Conference yeah. Finals, right? And I, I think that's probably the main goal for just about any of these teams. I think Iguodala is a valuable piece in a in a playoff series, but it's just, you know, who are the teams? You know, he, he's a valuable piece against, like, the Sixers. Uh, he's a valuable piece against, like, if you put him on Pascal Siakam or something like right. that. Uh, I don't really see how he helps you get past the Bucks, And so if... You hopefully put him on DiVincenzo. <laughs> like, they need somebody. He's gonna, he's gonna shut down. I mean, I guess you could maybe say that he could shut down Chris Middleton. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Very I, possible. I think it's. Uh, it, it it makes them a team that I think could could knock out Philly, which I think is mm-hmm. uh, the most interesting aspect. A couple minor deals. Uh, the Grizzlies ended up sending uh, Bruno Caboclo to the Rockets for Jordan Bell. So, I mean, the, the Rockets just continue to avoid anybody who could play center. Scalabissier to the Hawks for unknown returns at this point. We still haven't gotten a, a final ruling on that one, but the Blazers, um, it seemed like maybe needed to clear a roster spot and then didn't really add anybody. Uh, talked a little bit about Shabazz Napier to Washington, Jordan McRae to Denver, but all of those pale in comparison to Andre Drummond to the Cleveland Cavaliers for 
arguably the saddest trade return for like a multi-time all-star in his prime ever, right? And maybe not even arguably. John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a 2023 second-round pick. The lesser of Golden State or Cleveland's 2023 second-rounders, which were both owned um, by the Cavs. This was definitely a surprise. I did not think the Cavaliers would be the ones. I mean, they would if, if you're ranking the teams that like I thought would end up with Andre Drummond, Cavaliers would probably be at the very bottom of the list. Um, and just, the, I mean, the Pistons, the, I, it's, it makes, it's hard to believe the market was this bad for Andre Drummond, but, it, I mean, this is apparently the best offer that they got, which is crazy to me. Um, and you're basically just, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, getting uh, two expiring contracts and a second round pick that is so far in the future that you have just no idea what it's going to be at all. Um, and so this is virtually a trade for, for nothing. Um, and that's just very surprising. I, I mean, I think that everyone was just terrified of him picking up that option for yep. next year. Uh, that's just not how you want to be spending that amount of money. Um, the Cavs certainly weren't going to be bringing anyone in, but I feel like I, I don't understand why they were interested even even though they had the money to spend it just seems like they're kind of spinning their tires maybe he'll pick up the option next year and then the Cavs will trade him for a better return yeah. than this i actually don't hate it for the Cavs. like what do you have to lose That's you're fine. nowhere near contending i mean i i think maybe some people now think that this means they'll buy out tristan thompson who's a, who's a free agent um, so maybe that ends up helping another team in a roundabout way i think boston would probably be at the top of the list you would think for tristan um but this is just for detroit like my god not even getting any future assets whatsoever well, i don't i i don't know what you want them to do they they weren't getting any better offers like they they didn't want to i mean I, I agree it's just like, it's just incredibly sad i'm saying that like yeah. this guy has no market whatsoever well, they, i'm not blaming i mean the they're a really dumb organization they should have right. traded him a couple of years ago they very clearly never traded for blake griffin i mean there's all kinds of stuff they've done wrong right and this is a, the best they could do though right. pretty clearly i feel about once once a month or so on this pod we kind of reset and talk about how bad of a spot they're in and I, th- I think maybe they're in a slightly better spot because now they don't have to pay Andre Drummond or the possibility of paying him 28 million dollars next season but Blake's not playing the rest of the year you didn't get anybody of interest in this trade whatsoever like you couldn't even get like a Kevin Porter or a Dylan Windler or anything like the Pistons are going to be probably the worst team in the league the rest of the way right like I, I mean we, we kind of joked about who's the the Wolves third best player like Who's the Pistons' like second best player or even first best player right now? Christian Wood. <laughs> yeah, man. Rose. Christian Wood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess Derek Rose didn't get traded. I kind yeah. of, kind of forgot about that. That I mean, was weird. Who's going to be a better uh, fantasy guy the rest of the way out of Derek Rose and Andrew Wiggins? Oh Good boy, God, man, you can't ask something like that <laughs> without without time to prepare. Rose, thirty points a game potentially. Yeah. I mean, all the, all the Derek Rose fans are going to love this. We have the Pistons projected like they're they're. A plus starting lineup the rest of the way is Derek Rose, Svi Mikhailuk, Tony Snell, Sekou Dumbuya, Christian Wood. Yeah, pretty That's good. one of the worst starting fives that's ever been put together, like on purpose. Hey, it's a young core. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> there were reports. There, there were reports yesterday that their entire roster was available. Like they don't. There's nobody on that team that they really, really care about. Like I, if you were ranking the assets, like Luke Kennard, I guess is probably a pretty easy number one. Or Dabuya, maybe? Has he shown enough? Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of forgot about Kennard. Um, he's the best player on this team other than maybe Rose. Yeah, I don't, we're not counting Blake, right? No, we're not. We can't count Blake. No. Oh, God, is he going to play next season for this team? I don't know. Yeah, wait, what's the alternative? Just retire? 
I mean, <laughs> buyout. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, and this isn't even, it's not even that they're so bad that they're fun or that there's, they have just so many young players that are interesting. It, they're just bad. Like they're not, mm-hmm. you know, like unless they tell, you know, John Henson and Don Maker to shoot like five threes a game and just get super weird with it, it's just mm-hmm. going to be horrible to watch. I think they'll fall back a little bit, but right now in terms of lottery odds, they would have the eighth pick. So, I mean, we'll see how that how that turns out and obviously you can jump more now than than in the past but and there's a decent chance that like basically this unintentional tank doesn't even pay off with anything major come june um all right we had let's see we already talked about james ennis oh the the final three-team deal that uh this is another one that was reported you know maybe an hour or so before the deadline and then we got the final details just before the 3 p.m. Eastern deadline. So the, the LA Clippers get Marcus Morris from New York. They get Isaiah Thomas from Washington. The Knicks get Mo Harkless from the Clippers, and they get the Clippers' 2020 first-round pick. And the Wizards get Jerome Robinson. I think it's uh, about as good as you could have hoped to do if you're the Knicks. Obviously, yep. first-round pick was the price. They weren't you know, the Bucks weren't willing to give up that Indiana pick for it. Uh, you know the. Lakers clearly weren't willing to give up Kyle Kuzma for him, so mm-hmm. getting getting a first round pick. I mean, the Clippers almost sort of had them in a corner where it's like, well, who else is bidding here? Like, and mm-hmm. the, the fact they still got a first round pick out of it, I think, is pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, I I, I love this for the Clippers. Um, you know, I mean, somehow adding Isaiah Thomas to this is uh, came out of nowhere, uh, kind of yeah. late, and is at least interesting. Um, I'm not really expecting him to do much, but you, I mean, you never know. Um, he's played well at points this year, but yeah, I mean, getting, getting a guy in Marcus Morris basically just adds another guy who can get you 20 points a game on any given night. And that's, I mean, to a team that already has Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Montrose Harrell can do that. Um, I don't think he's Morris is going to keep shooting like 48% from three or whatever he's doing right now. Yeah. Um, and some regression could hit there, but he's having a great year. And I think this is the right move for the Clippers to make. I think it was, like James had the right move for the Knicks to make because they got a first-round pick out of it. And, I mean, the Wizards get Jerome Robinson. How can you argue with that? Yeah, I mean, what a move for the Wizards. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just it just adds another body, I think. I mean, his I think Marcus Morris, his production is probably going to be cut, like, in half. I mean, he's basically averaging 20 points a game on 43% from three, like you said. And, I mean, maybe he starts probably over Jermichael Green. Um, but I almost think he's maybe more effective off the bench. You know, he can kind of be – if if one of Kawhi and Paul George aren't out there, I mean, in, in certain lineups he can be your your second option if Lou Williams isn't on the floor. Otherwise, you know, not a bad third option. And I think the narrative that you hear with this trade more than anything already is, you know, the Lakers didn't get him. And I think now, if you're the Lakers, you didn't trade Kyle Kuzma. I based on what was out there, I think that's probably the right move. Um, I know you're you're pretty low on Kuzma, even lower than I am, James. Like, would you have dealt him for a Derrick Rose type? uh derrick rose actually would be more interesting to me uh than morris for them i think that they really could use a a ball handler in the second unit um you know morris i think is kind of can he play the three slash four with lebron i mean it just kind of it gets crowded in the front court uh, with him but rose i think could really fill a uh, quality role for them the problem is like the the kuzma asset yeah they didn't they didn't trade it this time maybe they trade it in the offseason maybe they trade it 
next year, but like he's pretty much the only asset they have to trade over the rest of this kind of run. Right. So when you do cash it out, it has to be for the right player. And yeah, I would be kind of underwhelmed by all the options that were out there. I mean, I'm sure that they inquired about someone like Bogdanovich with the Kings. I think if, if that was available for Kuzma, I would have done that. Oh, but, yeah. um, you know, assuming that wasn't available, you know, the, the players out there, sure, they would have helped them. But are they the ones you want to cash out Kuzma for? I, I guess I'm not sure. I mean, I think that they they wish they could have added someone, but they're just in this bind where Kuzma is really the only way that they could have done so. But, hey, they got J.R. Smith and uh, Darren Collison coming in. So, you know. <laughs> God, if they – I mean, I guess the, that maybe that's their answer to the Clippers adding Isaiah is, like, we'll, we'll load up with J.R. Like, those two maybe cancel each other out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would, I would hope that now the Lakers are the front runners for Collison. You know, maybe the Clippers have made their move. And I think Collison is, is more valuable to the Lakers than he is to the Clippers anyway. I mean, the Clippers are, are pretty set on guys who can handle the ball and make plays and – I think as much as you can limit the Rajon Rondo minutes in big games, um, you know, you kind of try to do that. And I don't know. I mean, you can't expect too much out of Darren Collison, but he's had years. I think he led the NBA in, in three-point percentage a couple of years ago. Yeah. Who knows where he'll be after, you know, not playing competitively since the end of last year. But I would imagine that's where, where the Lakers' focus turns. Um, I mean, as, as someone who watches a lot of Bucks, were you, were you disappointed in Milwaukee not doing anything? Was there a move out there that, that you wish they would have made? I don't think so. Um, I mean, the they basically you know gave up all their second round picks last year, so they don't have a ton to do with that. And I could understand you know if they were if if they wanted to try to move like Sterling Brown and and DJ Wilson or something like that. But I don't really know how many teams out there like really want those guys um, or even Dragon Bender, for example. Um, I don't even know what sort of return you could have possibly gotten for those guys i mean it, you could have basically maybe gotten like james ennis or right you know one of those kind of fringe players like you could have maybe i don't even think you could have gotten shabazz napier or like scalabus ea or anything like that and so I, I i'm fine with you know just kind of standing pat keeping the you know keeping everyone together especially when the season is going about as well as any season in NBA history is going i i think they were right to not go after someone like morris uh, or someone right. like Rose, I think it needed to be someone who was good enough to justify messing with the chemistry and also someone who would be easily plug and play on both ends, whereas I don't think those guys necessarily would be, especially uh, just the type of chemistry they have offensively, getting someone in there that just is not used to that, it would really kind of mess stuff up. So I, I think it was it was fine. Um, you know, we'll see we'll see if it works out. I'm sure they'll be second guessed if they do not get to the finals i think they will but i i just don't see what the move is out there i'm, I'm with you guys i mean i you could you know i don't think we'll look back and be like man if they would have added james ennis this wouldn't have happened they would they would have beaten miami or whatever it'll be um overall though did any teams change like what their ceiling is to you like are, are the clippers now firmly ahead of the lakers you know have the heat dramatically changed how you feel about them you know when it comes to playoff time I think the Heat changed their ceiling. I don't think they changed it to, you know, NBA Finals champion, but I think they changed it to a team mm-hmm. that could very viably get to the conference finals. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I I would still kind of put the Lakers and Clippers in the same. I I'm still not. I can't pick one of those two out of each other. I think they're so they're so closely matched um, that I I mean, I guess maybe you know in that case the the Morris 
move kind of tipped the needle a little bit in the Clippers' favor, but mm-hmm. it's still really hard for me to to pick against the Lakers. And you know the the Nuggets' moves were marginal, and Houston's moves were are, are just strange. And I mean, we've just never seen a team like Houston that has an MVP caliber player on their team before go so experimental I, with I a actu- roster. I actually think Houston changed their ceiling. I don't think it is going to end up mattering, but I do think they like I just didn't even think of them as a potential Western Conference Finals team prior to this and now like mm-hmm. if they upset one of the LA teams I wouldn't be absolutely shocked I'm looking at title odds right now which I assume have been updated and the Lakers are the current favorites plus 275 Bucks plus 300 Clippers plus 330 uh, and then you have the Sixers at plus 1400 Rockets at plus 1600 I mean the Rockets are ahead of Boston Denver Miami Utah Toronto Dallas um, you know and then some of those Eastern Conference teams you know they're factoring in the Bucks dominance but I think there is still right or wrong. There's still that belief that the rocket ceiling, you know, even if there's only a five or ten percent chance that they can actually access it, is is still a little bit higher than teams that have been better on you know on the court this season. I could understand. I think taking the Rockets to win the West, I think that would be a better bet because I think this. I think the move actually kind of hurts them in the finals if they got against the Bucks. Because if the if the Rockets want to play small and go like no center, mm-hmm. the Bucks' response to that is just to play Giannis at center. Like the Bucks are already set up to do that with you know the MVP of the league at center, um, someone who I'm pretty confident would just be like dunking on James Johnson and Bruno Caboclo most right. of the game. Um, so I I can understand yeah taking the Rockets to win the West. I'm not sure as I, I would go as far as to bet them to win the finals because I think the matchup against Milwaukee actually got worse yeah they would case. they would yeah. get absolutely destroyed by the bucks but you know who who knows if the bucks even make it out i mean that's not a foregone conclusion right right um also looking at you know the, the futures that we've been checking in on all season Giannis is even more of an mvp favorite than he's been in the past he's now up to minus 305 um and you have luca the next highest at plus 500 so i mean i'll be pretty much willing to to wrap that up as long as Giannis <laughs> doesn't get hurt yeah wasn't he was he plus money to start the year yeah, close. I, I think he was. I think he was I, close. I, think he, I don't know if he was. I think it was like maybe two, two to one, something like that. Sure, um, that's crazy. To yeah, I mean, you have to set it somewhere like that, just because you know right. what if he gets hurt. Exactly. You know, I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, I, I think it's pretty much wrapped up, and they could probably afford to start sitting him strategically a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, because I think they they would definitely want him to get that back to back MVP, but I think he probably gets it even if he misses like seven more games so i'm looking at the odds uh these are via the fanduel sportsbook the the ones i was reading were were from DraftKings, but this is from october 22nd so i think that was opening night uh Giannis was at plus 270 and then you had Kawhi plus 950 curry plus 500 Jokic plus 1100 davis plus 750 harden plus 750 um lebron plus 850 and then you know, the other options were Embiid, pg and and westbrook yeah, I mean, we were talking uh, one of our podcasts about the Lou Williams six man of the year odds, which I think when we were talking about them, were still you could still get them at maybe like minus two hundred or something like that, like yeah. some number that there was. There's no one even in competition for Lou Williams right now for six man of the year. There's he's plus one ten right now. Uh, who's the other? It's it's Lou Will in order. Lou Will, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, Derek Rose, Goran Dragic, Jordan Clarkson. That's insane to me. That's. That feels yeah. like free money. I have to drive down to Dubuque. Yeah, and well, and that's not one. That's not an award where you worry about oh, the fact that he's won it seemingly every year. No, like they're I mean. more than happy to just hand it to him. Um, 
this article that I pulled those those um, beginning of the season odds from also has a list of the most popular MVP bets at that time heading into the year. Number one was Ben Simmons. What? I mean, I, it doesn't have the odds what they were here. Um, I'm sure they were pretty good. But was, was, were you were you feeling pretty good about Ben Simmons winning the MVP coming into the year? I would have n- <laughs> that would never. not have been a consideration for me. No. no. I mean, uh, well, sports betting is legal on the East Coast, right? A lot of parts of the East Coast, like New Jersey. So yeah, I think maybe, I, I think the FanDuel sportsbook pulls a lot of that from New Jersey. Yeah, so I, I assume a regional <laughs> regional thing is going on there. Mm-hmm. All right. Any final trade deadline thoughts? I think we covered pretty much everything. It, it seemed like there was a rush for for like an hour there, but looking back, you know, a couple big deals. But for the most part, you know, every, it seemed like it was more of those Gorgie Jang, James Johnson, James Ennis type of trades at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up here then. Make sure to read all the coverage on the site. Make sure to listen to Friday's podcast uh, with Shannon, Ken, and Alex. Check out all our baseball content that James has been working hard on. Magazines just got here last week. Um, So if you're a subscriber and you're expecting that, should be getting in the next few weeks and uh, look forward to All-Star Weekend. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com